The soul of summer in Columbus. The long weekends, the return of festivals, the connection with friends on a rooftop under the stars. The just five more minutes while on an adventure with your tiny travelers. Long live summer and the exploration of Columbus's neighborhoods. Discover itineraries from your favorite Columbus residents like Jenny Britton and Coyote Peterson and learn how to make this summer one to remember. Plan every detail every minute of summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash liveforward. At Smoky Bones, meat is what we do, and we do it all while taking our inspiration from everywhere, from New York strips and buffalo wings to St. Louis ribs drenched in Kansas City sauce. Our meat mastery knows no bounds. We grill it, smoke it, pull it, carve it, you name it. So come try our new rib feast. That's a house rack of ribs, two sides, garlic bread, and a drink for just $19.99 when you dine in. At Smoky Bones, meat is what we do. Limited time only while supplies last were permitted by law. Welcome back for another week of the Razzball Prospect Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Lifshitz. We're back, and baseball was back, too. It is actually opening day as we're recording this. You're a couple days into the seasons, obviously, if you're listening to this right now. But we're excited. It's opening day. I'm here with Lance. Hey. Baseball's back, Baseball's back. We are a week away. or Is it a week or a week and a day away from uh, MILB opening day? And me and you, Ralph, we are I getting looks at uh, we are I getting looks at uh, two of the most exciting prospects in the minors next next weekend. We are both separately going to Hartford, Connecticut, to see Vladdy Bo. Is there a nickname? What was the nickname you had? I thought I saw it in a post. I yours. call him the legacy the legacy, legacy twins. twins. I like Vladdy Bo. I don't know. You combo <laughs> him up, but uh, yeah. So they're starting in Double A. They're starting in New Hampshire, not too far up in our neck of the woods in the Northeast. They are playing the Hartford Yard Goats. I don't believe Brendan Rodgers would be there. I got to check that. No, yeah, he's up in Triple A. Lancaster. What? I know. It's I did not know that. Wow. I huh. was looking at rosters today, and it looks like that's where he was uh, assigned. I was kicking it around. Uh, another wow. interesting one is Leody Tavares. As far as I know, was Rangers, actually yeah. yeah was assigned uh, to the I think their Carolina League affiliate. He's uh, he's in High A. I'm actually very surprised with with Rogers because Rogers, like that profile, it doesn't really gone crazy. Like, dude, they just want him to walk more. That's going to be my guess because that's the knock against him. But they, then again, you hear that knock, and then the thing I've heard around him not walking enough is the fact that he just got pitches he liked and he scorched them. So that's why he wasn't walking. He was, you can't it's tough to walk a lot when you're batting like yeah. 350. You know, <laughs> like Jesus. Uh, I mean, are they, are they like only going to play him in home games? 
<laughs> yeah, I know. That's interesting. I didn't. Wow, you blowing my mind here, Ralph. We're not even a couple minutes into the show, and and I learned some news. But yeah, um, so that's the that's the big personal news here on the podcast between me and Ralph. So we will. I'll, I'll be writing a column on it. I'm sure posting that on my site, and I'm sure Ralph will, will be feeding it into a, a prospect post at some point, and then. No doubt we will definitely talk about that to lead off next week's show, or the week after so show, excuse me, because we're going next weekend for, for I'm going for two games. I think you said you're going for one, Ralph. Um, I think there might be a little bit of overlap. I'm going with my yeah, pops. Yeah, at least one. You're going I'm definitely with your, going on, your kid, I'm going right? on Saturday. Well, I think actually my wife's going to be home, so I think it's going to end up being Nick. Is, oh, uh, sweet. Nice. Is going to likely end up going with me. That's so, great. yeah. It looks like I was just, I wanted to double check it. Um, Cause it's a, it's a night game and I kind of had forgotten that. And my son is still only seven. Oh, it's seven o'clock yeah. late witching hour. Yep. That happens. Well, yeah. I mean like, you know, if it was a little bit later in the summer, it would be a little bit different, but it's going to be cold, man. It's going to be, you know, <laughs> you're going to yeah. layer up, get some hand warmers. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. So Leody is on the uh, down East wood ducks roster, which I think is a Carolina league affiliate. If I'm not mistaken. It's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't was know a what else. Shocked I don't that know. He was a, a high A guy. Yeah, I, I think the only other piece of prospect news I have is that Joey Lucchese is going to start Friday in place of of Denelson Lamette, which I'm really excited about because I, I was I wrote a sleeper post on him for Razzball over the weekend, so one week ago exactly, I guess it came out at last Monday or Tuesday. And one of my deep, deep, deep guys, 600 overall, his ADP was in redraft leagues. It was Joey Lucchese just because I watched him a little bit in spring and I really hey. liked what I saw and. uh he got called up, and he's making a sponsor. I didn't expect this at all, but uh, I guess that with Lamette going down, they, they kind of want to try him out. So, um, yeah, we're getting the, the Padres list, I'm sure, sometime soon. That's an unbelievable system, but he is, uh, he's got a funky windup. Um, I, I really liked what I saw from his curve, though. I know that that pitch was not as advanced as some people thought it was last year, but I think he might have tinkered with it because I enjoyed it a lot when I saw it. Um, I, I'm really yeah. interested to see how he, he pitches. I don't, I don't know who the Padres are going. Oh, Brewers. Brewers. They're facing the Brewers. So that's a pretty good they lineup, are. too couple lefties in yeah. there. I think he'd be able to neutralize them. It's going to be the righties. It's going to be how he does against Braun and even Domingo Santana um, to see if he's any bit successful. And I don't know if he has any staying power. It seems like Lamette's injury is not going to be insane. So I'm not too worried. But, yeah, that's that's the prospect news around the pipeline, I would yeah, say. Yeah, I, um, like, I like Lucchese, and I hope that uh, Lamette is hurt because I don't own him anywhere. And uh, I own Lucchese, and it's in this uh, head-to-head uh, points league. That's a home league for me, and uh, everything that could possibly go wrong usually goes wrong for my team. <laughs> uh, like I had Salvi Perez the day oh, before no. opening day, uh, decide to destroy his knee while he's picking up luggage. And uh, <laughs> then we have, uh, this is even better, a window where we have unlimited ads, and that ends on opening day. So, of course, Salvi Perez and Justin Turner, two players that I own who are on the DL, don't get DL'd until after opening day. So oh, I have to I then see. Use three of my head-to-head weekly moves just to fill your to, roster. Just to fill my roster. Oh yeah, it, oh it was uh, brutal, absolutely brutal. That is unbelievable, unbelievable. Uh, I guess the last piece of news transitioning back into the uh, the Phillies list here, which we will be going over. Um, Scott Kingery did not start. Um, neither did Odubel Herrera. They oh. went with Nick Williams and Aaron Althair in the outfield. There, um, really interesting overall, just from what. Kapler's doing he's made some odd decisions I was watching a bit of that game today he pulled Nola pretty early um he's probably gonna catch some flack for pretty much he everything he did Hoskins yeah it was yeah crazy. He, he did a lot of things but uh but Kingery didn't start um and I also read an article that says he had his his lineups planned out for the next couple of days ahead of time so I would love to see those in advance to see how much time Kingery's getting 
Ralph, as we transition to the Phillies list here, I know you're super high on Kingery. You have him inside your top 10, I believe, overall. And you're looking pretty smart with that right now. It's just because of the hype he's getting. I drafted him really, really early in an NFBC league that I I probably caught a little bit of heat for. But I wanted to share. I wanted to share in a league that matters. And that league matters a lot because it's a high buy-in. And I'm happy to have Kingery. And I, I, I mean... I guess looking at it from a redraft redraft perspective here, Ralph, what's the what's your projection on him? You know, hundred and twenty ish games. You want to see him maybe go eighteen twenty five? Like, what's what are you thinking in your head? Would you would be content with ranking him as your number nine prospect? Yeah, I think he's a guy that uh, potentially could go twenty twenty this year. Um, you look at the numbers that he's had, you know, over the last year or so in terms of homers, and I know that people say, hey, the power ticked down once he left Reading. And he went to triple a that's true. You know, he wasn't a, a, a 200 plus ISO kind of mm-hmm. a guy. Um, but the fly ball rate was still 40 plus and the fly balls, you know, that, that the bump that he saw while at Reading and it ended up manifesting itself, not in ground balls, but in line drives, he had a 22% line drive rate. Uh, he hits the ball hard. He still would have been on a 20, uh, a 20 Homer pace. Had he played a, you know, a full season at triple a, we know Philly is one of the best parks in the major leagues. I think it was actually the best last year for homers. I, I'm sure that's going to play up again. Um, so this is a guy with 20 homer pop. And I think if he sees, uh, you know, 450 to 500 plate appearances, we were sort of saying in the Rasball pod the other day, if he got sort of hap playing time, okay. I think 1820 is, is reasonable. I think 2020 is within reason. Um, but I, I, I think he should, you know, probably need about, 500 plus plate appearances. And I think it's a real possibility. I'm a, I'm a big Kingery guy. I think that eventually the cream's going to rise at the top uh, in this situation. He's going to end up getting, you know, a, a lion's share of the opportunities. And I think it's going to come from somebody collapsing more or less on the, on the left side of the infield. I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be Hernandez. I think Hernandez is a steady force in that team. And I think he could potentially end up moving over to shortstop. You know, I don't think uh, JP Crawford is going to get the Freddie Galvis treatment. And uh, I said this in the Rasball Paw the other day. And see 162 games. It's just not going to happen. So he's going to get spelled. We've seen that Kapler is already unbelievably aggressive in terms of his overmanagement. Uh, so that might get him some opportunities in terms of uh, some additional at bats. You know, maybe it's not just a pinch hit. Maybe it's a pinch hit and he comes in, double switch, something like that. And uh, he gets maybe two or three uh, at bats, even in games that he's not starting. Um, that wouldn't shock me. He's a plus runner. The big thing with me, the big selling point is the offensive profile is above average in the contact and the power area. And he's a plus plus runner. I mean, he's a, probably a 70 grade runner, 60 to 70 grade runner. He's somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. He's he's pushing the scales there. I mean, his, his nickname hasn't been Sh- Scotty Jetpack getting <laughs> back to Arizona for nothing. Now, I think there's some other elements of it, too. I think I mentioned this actually in the baseball show. I've been talking so much about Kinger. I've been talking about Kinger yeah, everywhere. No, it's understandable. So you're sort of getting the very, the very uh, 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 formulated argument on why <laughs> I, like I think it. Scott Kingery is going to be a top five round player next year. I really do believe Ooh, that. Okay. I think it's because when we look at the way we put value on speed, a guy that can get 30 steals. And now he's had 29 steals in consecutive seasons in the minor leagues. Now let's understand that the offensive profile ticked up significantly last year as he made some tweaks and adjustments to his swing that I'm sure Lance will, will allude to yep, when he goes into Kingery. I'll, I'll leave that to you. No problem. I want to dig back even deeper on Kingery though. I want to go back to him in high school. 
Okay. Scott was a very good player in high school. He was a shortstop. I think his team won the state championship or finished, you know, in top two in, in whatever state he's from, forgetting off the top of my head right now. Uh, I don't think it was Arizona, but it might have been. But he ended up at Arizona. I'm going to look it up right now. Go for it. No, no problem. Uh, he ended up at Arizona as a walk-on. And, uh, yeah, I'd have to I'd have to look it up, actually, where he's from. But he ended up at Arizona as a walk-on. And uh, didn't get any Division One scholarship offers. Walked on in Arizona, which is a great program, and got a gig. And uh, played some shortstop. I think he sort of played around the field. Sophomore year, they asked him to play center field. That was the position that they had tasked him with. I think he bounced around once again, played a few different positions, but he played a lot of center. Then, you know, finally junior year, which is his final year at Arizona, they had asked him to uh, uh, to play some second base full time. I think he was a full time second baseman. Yada yada yada. Ends up going in the second round, I think, uh, to the Phillies back in uh, 2015. Yeah, it was the second round. So this is a guy that's continually gotten better and been tasked with all different assignments throughout his career. So I'm just trying to sort of paint the picture here of a guy that's got incredible makeup and an incredible ability to adapt and improve. And that's what we look for with prospects. That's what Carlos Correa, that's what all these great prospects do. They get better. So I know the CBS guys were throwing a ton of shade at Kingery over his OPS in the minor leagues. Well, I'm sorry, guys, but if you're focusing on his OPS in the minor leagues, you're missing the point on Scott Kingery. You're missing the fact that he's a 30-steal guy with an improving offensive and power profile, and he's always been able to hit. Now, guys improve. You know, things happen. He's obviously shown at the two highest levels of the minor leagues that he can make good contact. They have a forward-thinking organization in Philadelphia who does a good job of scouting um, and evaluating talent. I think we've come to see that outside of Mickey Moniak. That was a bit of a botch draft. <laughs> I have a little bit of hope, which I will get into. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I don't, I don't think he's in net zero either. But they've done a relatively good job building this young core. Absolutely. Yeah. They gave him the money for a reason. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I just think that this this guy is the next, you know, second baseman. I really do. It's like him and Albies. I just I, I, I Albies, think yeah. the power with the speed, like he's not a 30 homer guy by any stretch of the imagination. It might be 18 or 20, but if he hits 280 at the top of that lineup and steals 30 plus bases, which is what I think Kingery can do, that is insane value. You know, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. a guy that's going to go really early because we put a premium on speed. I mean, we pay for obviously D Gordon steals six fifty sixty bases with zero home runs, essentially with zero home runs. You know, very little in the way uh, of a lot of counting stats outside of runs. You know, not much in RBIs, and this you know a, a bad a decent batting average. I don't see why Kingery couldn't be too far off in batting average and runs. Um, obviously, tick down in the steals, but give you the homers and uh, just return a ton of value. So. He's really exciting, and he's a guy that you know, a year ago at this time was sort of an afterthought. And um, he spent a year improving himself, and I think we saw in the spring that that hasn't stopped. So it's like I said, that ability to adjust and adapt and improve, and that's what makes great ball players. You know, it's it, 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 the guys that are best when they're 14 years old aren't the best when they're 34 years old. You know, there's a lot of development that goes on in between, and a lot of that can happen after a guy is drafted or you know, after he comes in the major or comes into pro ball and just, you know, maybe struggles for a year uh, at the lower levels and figure something out. Uh, might have an injury. I mean, there's just so many things that for me to look at 
a year or two in the minor leagues, not put any context as the Florida State League. It's just a dangerous way to to, to do evaluations, in my opinion, um, of a really talented player that has good tools across the board, the glove, everything. It's going to keep him in the lineup, and uh, we'll just see. We'll see what what, what Kapler ends up doing with him. Yeah, I, I, I want to emphasize the the adaptation that he has because this is what stands out the most to me in looking at him and doing a little bit of research on him. I wrote a column on him, fantasy side, for Rasball a bit ago, and I, I dug into it, and I found this column by Matt Gelb on The Athletic, and it details Kingery's relationship with an individual named Richard Schenick, I want to say. That's how you spell it. I'm not really 100% sure. He's basically like this hitting guru guy that completely altered how King Green, like approaches his load and his swing. And this is the adaptation that I think a lot of people are missing when they go into the analysis on King Green. And I think that you're spot on with it and saying like the adaptation, like when you want to pinpoint the adaptation, it's literally quoted by King Green in this column. He talks about how what mm. he does, he completely reinvented how he swings. The approach to the ball that he has now is is what essentially it's, it's weird. It's kind of ethereal. It's like a, almost a cloud but but kingery is basically like i cut out the time that any that most hitters have in their slack between the decision to swing and the actual trigger mechanically to swing and you'll notice this if you watch anyone with a long oh, swing yeah. one of the things with a long swing is that the decision to swing is a long decision and in the lag between that and the actual load and the actual swing is long so that's why someone has a long swing is like you see a guy going back and like and heavy into their back shoulder and then swinging through it might look really really smooth but that's a long swing if you watch kingery hit there is very little movement he keeps his hands pretty high and it's just it's a leg up down he stays in his back hip and he drives forward and it's really really quick and this is one of the reasons why the power jumped up and I agree with you because I think that we miss this so, so, so often. And any kind of analysis, whether it be prospect analysis, whether it be just general player analysis, it's a matter of understanding what changes in a given player in any situation that allows for a player to improve. It's not just the stats that you have to look at. You have to look at everything else that goes along with with a player as a whole. And and for Kingery, I'm laughing because Ralph... So anyone that doesn't know, I can see Ralph, and I think he just got like a, a McDonald's milkshake, and he, he's no, smiling. No, it's, it's a it's a chick. What's up, Kenny? Kenny Cashman? It's a it's a it's a Chick Fil A frosty lemonade. Oh. It's like ice cream lemonade. It's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> Kenny Kenny turned me on to it. It's amazing. Anyway, keep going about Kingery. <laughs> that was great. No, you just made me laugh. But I mean, it's just as a whole. It's I, what I, the main point I want to get to is that you know when you when you're analyzing prospects and you're analyzing players in general, this applies to anything. It's just understanding the adjustment the player makes and then using that to project him out. And I mean, you can apply this to like a ton of people. Like the the projections on Castillo, Luis Castillo, don't capture what he did in his pitch mix. The, the what Kingery does prior to 2017 does not matter to me. It doesn't matter to me at all what he did prior to 2017. It's all about what he did in 2017 with this new approach. And I'm sure there's going to be pushback against that approach, and he's going to have to adapt back. But I'm so confident in what he did and his philosophy around it. I just I'm all in on it, and it's a weird kind of like odd thing. Like you, it's not like Colin Moran. Like you watch Colin Moran tape before and after when he changed, and it's night and day. You watch Kingery tape before and after. It's subtle. It's really really subtle. But like he talks about it in the column, he says you in, uh, regarding this approach. He literally says you have to buy into it. It's just so different. If you don't buy into it, you can't fully understand it. You can't get it. It feels weird. It feels uncomfortable. But it'll make your natural swing. It'll you'll start to realize it's the way everyone should hit. And it's cool because I just like stuff where you can't like you can't pinpoint what he did, but what he did was just this. He completely changed how he approached the ball, and this is where all the power came from. And I buy stuff like this. Like I, I maybe I. 
am a little bit naive in buying stuff like this over some general stats around the player. You know, I understand that aggregate samples are probably a little more predictive of future performance as a whole than, you know, individual halves of seasons. But if I could tie specifically back to a thing that a player changes and that second half of the season, I'm so much more willing to buy into that player. And that's what I'm doing with Kingery. I agree with you, Ralph. I, I mean, I, I'm cool with the argument of, of six to above him if you want to go with the arm. I think even J.P. Crawford, because he's walking so much and the approach is so good, he's right in that same yeah. window. You know, but I love Kingery. I, I agree with you. I don't think I have him inside my top 10, but I think I probably have him right around the 20s. And it's I, I'm expecting similar production. So we're both pretty big Kingery fans, I think, in redraft and dynasty. Yeah, and I think it just comes down to the speed. That's why I go so yeah, gaga for Kingery. Yeah. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. absolutely. So he was talk some six though. Cause I think yeah. on a real, I think on a real life list, baseball America list, six is probably an easy one over Kingery Yeah, where, you know, Kingery with, uh, you know, the skill set as we mentioned for me, I just value that a little bit more at the draft table. And ultimately I think it will translate more. So six he's kind of got that, that front end of the rotation, upside you know absolutely he's got the good stuff he's got the easy velocity i mean it's insanely easy velocity understatement yep everyone talks about how small he is he's not like marcus stroman tiny he's like six feet and kind of like strong like his lower half isn't weak you know Mm -hmm. he's got he's got a pitcher's backside Mm -hmm. um you know the radar guns get all all the readings you know i mean uh the radar gun readings get all the sort of headlines and whatnot but it's his ability to mix up, you know, uh, a nasty breaking ball in his curveball has a plus change up, mixes in a slider a little bit as well. Um, really advanced secondaries for a teenager. That's the thing that sort of sticks out to me. Uh, mechanics are nice and easy, like I said. And he's only 19 and he's already pitched, you know, a full season in full season ball. All impressive stuff. And I think, you know, I think Sanchez has superstar type of upside. Oh, absolutely. And, and the interesting thing, honestly, with the Phillies and their arms on this list are, you know, you mentioned Sixto. I, I guess if you want to knock him for his size, you can. I, I, I don't. But I mean, I don't think you are either here. But but he's six feet. I think Jojo is Jojo Ramirez. Another guy we'll get into. He's a lefty. He's around six feet. And Adonis Medina is around six, six, one. It's like, it's interesting that these guys are a little bit smaller. You know, we, we talked a while back about like the Brave system. Everyone in that system, height wise and build wise, is like pitcher body. Like Ian Anderson, yeah. Joey Wentz, Kyle, right? Like all those guys are like six, four, two, ten, absolutely chiseled. Just, you know, the velocity they get is unbelievable. It's all like, oh, look at the kinetic chain and how they throw and the velocity they get. And you look at the Phillies and you go, you know, Sixto's extension isn't fantastic, but the velocity is just stupid, stupid easy. And that's like, for me, the thing that I think I sell myself on when watching him is that he gets the achieves this triple digit velocity he probably sits, I think, in starts, I think 97 ish more so than he pops 100 every time like Syndergaard. But and you could probably adjust him into his legs more. And I know it's going to be a cross position comp here, but one of the reasons I really like Nick Senzel is because. I don't think he uses a lot of his lower half. And I'm so, so intrigued about if that kid starts using his lower half, what he does. And I kind of want to apply that to Sixto a little bit. If Sixto fills out any bit more and starts using his lower body a little bit more, like I, he can hit 98 consistently. Like you give him another 15 pounds, like, oh my God, I just, I really like him. I really like how clean delivery is. This is essentially the same reason as far as visually just my own eyes on a player one of the reasons i bought heavily into yadier alvarez a while ago and i know that hasn't panned out i don't think this is the same kind of pitcher at all i think that six probably is a little bit better feel he's substantially better command and that's what stands out much better breaking ball already absolutely i I love the changeup too i think that's the other thing the multiple guys on this list here for the phillies have fantastic changeups they really do it's 
it stands out from a lot of the other lists. That I've yeah, it does. At. And you can survive size, as a smaller guy. Size and I think I mentioned it, yeah. Yeah, and, and the feel is unbelievable. Like, I love Sixers arm action. That change-up's going to end up being 55 grade to me, possibly 60. I think it could end up being, like, one of the best in baseball. I think uh, someone else had a really good change on here that I liked. Uh, JoJo. Jojo. Ranger Suarez has a nasty change-up, too. The His JoJo's is really, really change. good. Yeah, so maybe those two guys are comparable in change-ups, but in terms of prospect pedigree control the whole package mechanics everything gets six out it's not close um you're looking at the top tier of, of prospects on this list i think you're also looking at consensus like top 30 top 40 guys here in terms of Sixto, jp and scott so big fan of Sixto. i think we're, we're both on it clean mechanics is what i keep coming back to i really like the change up you know there's a lot to love here really a lot a lot to love i'd love to see him uh, i'm not sure when redding comes into hartford but uh um if he makes it up to Redding this year that'd be a nice coincidence to get him out in Hartford mm-hmm. and get a look at him live. I'd love to see that. Um, yeah, if that happens, we'll, we'll be going. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, your thoughts on JP, Ralph, JP Crawford. Mm. It's funny. You caught me uh, right as I was swallowing some boba. No, I wasn't swallowing boba. <laughs> I'm not great. Frozen I'm not great. He, did you see that he put that onto the website, actually? Oh, he did? Oh, I saw Kenny yeah. tweet it out. I didn't know it was on the yeah. website. Oh, as no way. As, as soon as Kenny tweeted it out, I tweeted it texted it to gray and said you need to replace that oh the banner, banner. yeah website. yeah a daiquiri or whatever right yeah with it with with the boba because it's so much better and <laughs> it's so much more you uh so anyway uh as for jp crawford he's funny he's divisive he's divisive and he's one of those guys that's kind of rated because he's overrated by some people he's underrated by other people so he's kind of well, just in the middle you, where his value don't, is don't you think this is often had the case with guys who are a little bit younger that take a little more time to develop and have a longer track record. I, mm. I think this happens a lot with these guys, Ralph. Like he's younger, he takes a while, he goes up and down a prospect list, and then you get people in two camps. You know, you get the people in the oh my god camp, he's really good, and we just probably faded him for too long. And you got the other people who are like, I remember him three years ago and he wasn't great. Why should I be entertained now? Like that's it's interesting to me. I don't know if you realize that with some of these guys, but yeah, for sure. They Absolutely. hang around that you get a lot of people separating in their mm. opinions. Yeah. Prospect fatigue. The more looks yep. you get, sometimes, you know, the more noise there is in, in you know, yeah, the actual the evaluation. Exactly. Um, I think it was I think it was that the other part of it is, I think some of the big scouting circuits, you know, whether you, you want to call them that baseball, America prospectus, MLB dot com, where that information is going out to the public. Sure. And those are the lists that, you know, in, in our industry are sort of um, the standard bearers, right? That's what everybody le- reads. It gets all the eyeballs. And, you know, even though they're not fantasy relevant, they don't have that slant. And I even think with the average fan outside of numbers, outside of playing in a fantasy league, but they're just a fan of a team, they probably view players more in a fantasy sense, too, because they're going to put more weight on the offense. Sure, sure. And what happens in those lists is a player like J.P. Crawford has a lot of nice all-around skills and intangibles, as well as the defense. And his, his defense is so strong. I mean, he really oh, is yeah. a solid defender. It's the reason he could play some third base last year. Is His footwork is good. The, glo- the, the glove is good. The arm is good. Um, he just understands the little things about, about baseball. I think you see it in his plate approach. Um, you know, he's an excellent on base guy. Yep. Uh, he's That's got a three six for me. 367 career on base percentage in 533 minor league games. Um, that's that's a pretty staggering number. And I think the thing was, as you as you said, being into the next part, he was a little bit young for every level. 
So the power and some of those sort of numbers are going to be a tick behind, and we sort of lose the context of this guy is doing it at age X at this level versus age Y of such and such a player. And especially when you get the upper levels, and there's so many of these guys that their career stalled, and they're just 24, 25, 26, 27, sometimes 28, former major leaguers that are 33 that are on these AAA rosters, right? And and even some of the older guys in AA. So we get lost in that. And uh, there were also some fabulous performances uh, in the minor leagues by some different players in those teams over the last couple of years, whether it was Nick Williams early in the year last year, Reese Hoskins over the last couple of years, Dylan Cousins in, in 2016. You had, you know, Jorge Alfaro, who for a catcher was always built up. I mean, I don't know what pictures he has of Brett Sarah, the folks over at baseball uh, perspective, some kidding guys and kidding, <laughs> but he always ends up in the top 50 and I'm still unsure how he still ends up in the top 50 year after year after year, but we'll get into that when we get into that. Yeah. So with all that going on, I think it was easy for us to forget about Crawford as he struggled at AAA. Now that being said, there's always been a really nice hit tool here. There's oh, always absolutely. been excellent plate approach. I just think that we thought, for a few reasons, he was a speed guy because his last name was Crawford, and uh, <laughs> Carl, yeah. and, and quite honestly, I, I this some people was going to piss some people off, but I think the fact that he was an African American shortstop, we were like, oh, he, he has to run the bases, right? I, I think that just like pops into people's heads and they think that. So I think there was a lot of perception stuff with J.P. Crawford that was wrong. Where ultimately, I think he's an on base guy with power. You know, he's an on base guy that that has the ability to hit not thirty homers, but 18 to 20. I think he's somewhere in that range, kind of like King is. Um, and I think that's more the strength of his game. And it's more, he'll give you a little bit of the all around stuff, but he's probably only going to steal six, seven bases. I mean, he's not, uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't think he's going to be putting up any 2020 seasons or anything like that. Right. I think that some people had that idea because, Hey, he's Carl Crawford's cousin. And, and, and of course he should run. He's a shortstop. And like, yep. Projecting you know, out speed more than it should yeah, be. Yeah, exactly. It, I always felt like the speed still to this day gets, gets projected out more than it should. But ultimately I think that Crawford is a really nice player across the board. He's going to be a major league guy. He's an everyday shortstop. Um, and eventually he'll develop into a decent batting average. He'll have a lot of value in OPS and OBP leagues. And uh, he'll give you enough power to be relevant and be owned in probably most 12-team leagues. Absolutely. I, I'm enamored with the approach that he showed at the major league level last year. He walked 18.4% of the time. I just I love that. I think that I, I might go out on a limb here and say he has, from a real-life perspective, I know this is deviating from the fantasy side a little bit, but he has one of the one of the highest prospect floors inside like the top 50 we're looking at like i know you can put that floor tag on a lot of the guys in the top 10 absolutely like acuna high floor but like outside of the top 10 like in that like 11 to 49 ish window you know like right in that where you start to get a lot of variance between lists on who really likes who who thinks who could jump up like jp crawford on a real life list is a plus defender i'd almost even venture on plus plus just because i think he could play third at an above average level because of how good the arm is and he walks like unbelievably well his approach to the ball is just it's stellar. It's I, I, I would not be stunned if this guy's like almost essentially like a fourteen walk, sixteen k guy at peak, where it's just that's where his value's from. And you slot a guy like that in on the defensive side of things, and he's a plus there. He's not a negative run. He's probably more neutral run. It's just a lot of stuff. Like it's fifty, it's fifty great tools across the board. And I really like that. I really like him a lot, honestly. I, I, 
I'm interested to see where the average ends up at peak. I think that maybe it, it doesn't get above maybe 275. I'd like hmm. to see it. If it could get up to 275, like he ends up being like a 380 OBP guy. And that is really, really valuable. And I mean, from a mechanical perspective, I, I've always liked his swing. It's always been really, relatively consistent. I think this is one of the big faults people had in knocking him when he was struggling is that there really wasn't a lot in his swing that was changing. And he had this very similar swing way back. If you go back to like 2014, I was watching some tape of him. Like it's, it's similar in what he does. He's a little bit open, closes off, just really smooth hands and everything is synced up beautifully with him. Um, he uses that leg pretty well for timing and for weight transfer. And mm. He stays in his back hip beautifully. I, I don't know how much power is there at peak. I like saying that maybe it's 18. But, I mean, you look at it. He gets the 18 home runs. He bats 260. He's a 370 OBP guy plus defender. Like, if I'm the Phillies, I'm, I'm literally uh, unbelievably happy to have this guy on my team. And I, yeah. that's the thing. Like, he's going to play. He's going to play 135 to 40 games a year, uh, barring injury, of course. But, that's really valuable to have, I think, in fantasy. I, I don't know if he ends, ever ends up being like a top 75 redraft guy, but this is one of those guys who's going to sit around like, you know, 150s. He's going to be a stud in NL only leagues. I wish I got him in the CBS expert NL only with Gray I'm in, but I like him a lot. I like him a lot. I, I don't, I, I think that we soured him. I think we got prospect fatigue, and I think we look back now and we see what he did. I know it's a small sample to 87 plate appearances, but I can't get past an 18% walk rate for a kid at 22 years old. We saw him when he was 18. Like, he's been around for five years. Like, oh, man, oh, yeah. stick with these guys, you know? Give him a shot. This kid's always had talent. I'm a big fan. I like JP a lot. I think he's in this tier here. Uh, I probably would rank him the same as you. I'd probably go Kingery, Sixto, and, and JP. And then that's where the kind of this top tier on the Phillies list ends. But um, it's funny because the next guy on my list, at least, is somebody that a lot of people were kind of giving me some crap about that I didn't rank him three. Really? Jalen? Jalen Ortiz? I'm probably a little lower on him. So how about you present the, the pro case and I'll present the con case here, Ralph? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the, the pro case is that he's going to be a middle of the order bat, uh, with maybe some decent average So he, I mean, he's going to struggle and, and potentially strike out quite a bit, but it's tough to say that when the guy is only 19 years old, showed well in advanced, more or less rookie ball, really it's short season, a ball, but he was in the New York Penn league, which there's a lot of college guys it's where like Brendan, uh, McKay started the year before this where like AJ Puck was assigned, like Ben Intendi when he was assigned the year before that. Um, so it was a relatively advanced assignment for a 19 year old kid, uh, slash three Oh two, four Oh one, five sixty had eight homers, five steals. You know, I wrote a sleeper post about him. Um, you know, I like the swing. Um, I know that he's susceptible to some breaking balls off the plate. I've heard that directly from some guys that scouted, uh, um, Williams port, I think is cross cutters. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. the Phillies, team so uh a couple guys that, that scouted williamsport as well as i had heard that from from matt winkleman who does an excellent job over on crash burn alley and uh philly's minors he's sort of the the go-to philadelphia mind or yeah yeah beat, I you know writer great yeah i'm sure you follow you know winkleman he's got some great great thoughts we had him on the baseball show a while back and we talked about philly's prospects and that was one of the things with ortiz is that you know he likes him a lot blah 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 the power all that sort of stuff but there's still some holes in the swing. I'm a little less worried about it. I think that, you know, his ability uh, already to sort of turn the raw power that we saw from him when he was like a 16 year old uh, J2 guy, you know, two, three years ago yeah. um, into the player raw. that he is now. Exactly. And, and, and it's, it's still raw, but there's a lot more polish there and there's so much in-game power and it translated so quickly that, I have, you know, a lot of enthusiasm for Ortiz, 
And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, there's an opportunity that Ortiz potentially takes another step this year, cuts down the strikeouts a little bit more and could take a big jump. Um, I had him, I think I said 63, uh, on my list. So I'm, I'm obviously a big fan, but, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Ortiz. I, I, I think he's, I think he's a great power bat, but he's so young and it's such a small sample size that, you know, other than the tape that you maybe, maybe have watched him, there's not a whole lot to say, you know, unless you were watching him every day. Mm-hmm. No, that's very true. I think that it is that it's, it's that it's the power. It's 70 raw. Um, I have him 97 on my list, so I'm definitely a little bit lower. I think that my biggest concern is just with one tool guys like this. Like, I think that there is some optimism around the hit tool. I think that with any guy this young, there, there should be, because if you watch him, if you, there is actually, if you just type in Jalen Ortiz on YouTube, and I think it's like the fourth video down from Fangraphs is J2 tape AM from 2015. Oh my God, he has improved substantially. Like if you watch that back then, I always am, I always love watching this J two tape that Fangraphs has up. Like some of these guys are just night and day. Like what either organizationally they do or just getting them more reps allows them to do from a developmental standpoint. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like his, if you watch this Jalen Ortiz tape, it's like I think a minute and a half of just yeah really inconsistent everything. But I, someone saw someone saw the power the the latent power with him and he man, signed they for brought a lot. it out. They did. He yeah. signed for like four million, I think. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like you often see a lot of these guys in J two side who are like shortstops who are like, oh, maybe he grows three inches and put on forty pounds, he ends up being a third baseman. Whereas Ortiz, you see him in J two and you're like, that is a big boy. <laughs> like, yeah, he's already big. There's already <laughs> really good raw power. You know, he's beefy boy. He's like two fifteen. I think that speed eventually becomes a, a strong negative for him. But I'm I'm just I think I hedge a little bit more on these younger guys, even if he is this young, because I admit that he's really really young. But I think. I think I might honestly be embedding what I, I suspect will be some fatigue around him if the strikeout rate doesn't improve substantially. If it doesn't come down when he is up in low A, gets up to A ball, whatever, you know, if that doesn't come down to like 25%, it stays around that 30%, I think you're going to get a little bit of fatigue where people go, oh, he's, I know he's still young, but you know, he's been in, he's been in this league for a while and he has not improving. And I, I want to keep him in this back end of the top 100, but what I tend to do with a lot of these guys who have this one tool that we really need some other things to click on before that one tool becomes a playable tool. I like putting these guys in more of the middle tier than what I think their actualized like top tier could be. So I, I like leaving him. I My philosophy is basically just I'd rather leave him around like the 90s, like 97, and then slowly move him up as opposed to keep him around 50 and believe in that power and then keep having to justify that and not bring him down, not play like roulette with him where you're just going up and down and up and down or pinball, or Pong, that old game, Sega, whatever, Pong. Yeah, Pong is the back and forth one. But I, I don't want to play Pong with him between 50 and 100. I want to keep him right where I am until I see that improvement. I tend, I tend to do that with a lot of guys who I don't think have that polished of approach. So I guess it's more of a philosophical Phil- philosophical philosophical Phil- thing philosophical <laughs> there it is the philosophical is not a, it sounds like falafel but it does the that's philosophy like, of falafel. Like, that sounds like a falafel restaurant <laughs> oh man we gotta, we're opening we're opening falafel. a restaurant ralph i love it <laughs> falafel. yeah so yeah i'm a little lower on it than most but i think it's more just philosophical for me and how i how i look at guys with crazy crazy raw like this so Eh, it's all right. I, I could be talked up and down on it. I like JP more than him. I don't. I, I, you really got to believe in this hit tool coming around and the K is coming down to to put him above JP for me. JP is just such a sure bet to be like a one two war guy perennially. I think that it's tough. Like there's a really good chance for me that Jalen Ortiz ends up like just sitting around 
the double A and just not improving after a while. But he's young, so he's obviously got some upside there. Um, but Alfaro, Jorge Alfaro here is the other guy on this list who I've seen graded out around 70 power who I was texting you last night about. I usually do my prep prior prior to the night. So obviously the be- night before. So I was doing it on Wednesday night. I looked through all the guys, et cetera, on my notes. And, and I swapped I, him in Medina in my top 100. There too. we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I don't really like Oreo Faro a lot. I think that there's a lot more to, to knock him for than anything. I think there's a lot here that on the strikeout side of things, he chases a lot. He's not good contact in the zone. He's not good contact overall. He's not even good contact just in general out of the zone it's a free swinger he's been a free singer consistently for a while there hasn't been improvement he's already a little bit older in 23 24 i think he is he's a catcher where it's more armed than anything and i think that once you get to the major league level is just going to get it's just going to get decimated we've seen that with guys like like gary sanchez where they come up and they're like people are like oh gary sanchez fantastic catcher look at that arm and then now we're like oh he's going to be a first baseman he can't frame anything it's like that's probably gonna happen with a far like the reason I think a lot of people grade him out uh, around average for defensively catcher is because of the arm. And I think that we have a general consensus, which we start seeing framing data that it's, it's not, no one really cares too much about the arm. You gotta be able to hold the running game, but I think a lot of that comes from the pitcher. And if you have a quick pitcher, et cetera, you know, uh, like Syndergaard is a guy who takes forever on the mound. I know he was run on a t- glass. Now is another one, very long delivery and they get decimated. And when, when you have a guy like that on the mound, you want a catcher who's a little bit quicker, but I, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I just don't, I, there's a lot of things here. I, I don't like, and I just, to me, it's like, I'm looking at him. I'm looking at sorted data on, it's a small sample, but last year for him. And it's like, he's worse than Joey Gallo at everything. And he's got like 25% of the pop of Joey Gallo. Like, that's my opinion of him. Honestly, like I get there's good raw there, but it, it's like, it's not Joey Gallo. Like it's not that kind of pop. And I know it's that maybe a premium defense position, obviously catcher and the, the baseline for stats. there much lower, but Ralph, do you think this guy can actually catch like 120 125 ish games and become a supreme value? To me, he ends up being like a, a 90 to 100 game catcher. And I maybe there's some, you know, if he decimates lefty and we see lefties and we see that over a long enough span, he becomes a platoon bat. But I just, man, it's just so hard for me to like catchers, I think. Like Kiba Ruiz yeah. is one that I, I, I even I was a little bit low on him. Like I like Chance Cisco a little bit. I think Carson yeah, Kelly's like pretty good. Um, but. Man, I, I just don't, I don't buy Alfaro, honestly. From the fantasy side, if you want some pop there, sure. But I don't I don't like it. I don't like the profile, honestly. I don't. Yeah, I think the thing is with Alfaro, um, he kind of hits too many ground balls. It's you weird. Know? And he doesn't, he strikes, he there's strikes not out a lot ton. to good to say. He like, doesn't walk. <laughs> he strikes out a ton. He doesn't walk. Yeah. Um, he makes a lot of, pops up a lot, makes a lot of ba- bad contact. Uh, not a lot of approach there. But the weird thing is he's kind of an athletic catcher. He can run a little bit, too. Um, I know that Kapler likes him, said that he is the guy. I believe he started today. Um, I think it was Andrew Knapp, Knapp, actually. Kapler? Was it Knapp? Yeah, it was Knapp. Really? I think he I think he went like two for something with a double. Unless they put Alfaro in late, they might have done a swap. I only saw the, the first half of the game. Uh, but, but, uh, you might be right. Well, there yeah. you go. I'm, I'm speaking out of my ass no, already. No no, I mean, I, I get it. Like, I think he's going to get time. It's just, I think there's going to be, I, I, the thing for me yep. is like, if you're looking yeah. at investing at a, in a fantasy catcher, I want to see the path to 125 to 130 games where I get yeah. him in there. And I know that's becoming very rare, but that to me just means that 
at the end of the day, when you look out at the waiver wire and you see the crop of catchers, there's going to be more options there. So it's like guys like Austin Hedges, like the offensive profile on Austin Hedges isn't good, but Austin Hedges is going to catch 125 to 130 games. Like the Padres staff loves that kid. He's a really good framer. He's unbelievable pop time. He's got a lot working for him on the defensive side of things. The path for him to get to 120, 130 games is there. The, guy, the path for Alfaro for me is just not there. And it, we're not going to see a lot of guys catching 120 to 130. So I want to covet those guys. I want to be able to see a path. And if there is no path, then to me, what you end up getting is just like 60 catchers. Like every team is going to have two guys. Like we were just talking about Chance Cisco, the Orioles. Like they say Caleb Joseph is the starter, but if that's an even split at the end of the year, I wouldn't be stunned at all. So it's like in two catcher leagues, just roster both catchers. Like I, yeah. I don't know what to do. Like I just don't, I don't know. I, I can't play Supremo and Alfaro. I'm sorry. I can't do it. Yeah. And I, I've just long not liked the profile. Like I said, there's a lot of people that have ranked him highly. Baseball prospectus loves him. He's been high yeah. in the fancy list and in the real life list. I don't okay. get it so much. I don't. I don't know about Stick his pitch guys, but eh. to be quite honest with you, I know he's been a a, a decent thrower, um, but that's usually the only thing you hear about with catcher defense. I don't feel like you it's hear true, a lot it's about tough to scout framing. Yeah, you, you I don't, don't hear a lot about framing. Uh, you know, unless unless you know you you got some really advanced scouting stuff that you were hearing, and sometimes I feel like you get some of the trickles of that. Like I feel like I heard that about Sean Murphy uh, when he was in the fall league this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the places where you sort of hear some of that stuff. But, uh, yeah, you, you typically don't hear so much about, you know, his framing and, and those sort of things. But I think gray and a lot of people that have brought into bought into Alfaro, it's been the power. I ranked him just outside the top 100 just because I think there's some relevancy for this year. And I sort On of be a, sure. yeah, remiss, yeah. remiss to completely ignore him when he's being ranked as a top 100 guy everywhere else. Uh, if I didn't have him at like, I think I had him like 112, 113 or something like that. If I didn't have him somewhere in that cusp of the top 100, I think it would be a little ridiculous. So I understand why there's optimism about him because he's a catcher and he does have one pretty darn good. He's got a plus plus offensive skill. I mean, he does have plus 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 power. Yeah. He just needs the bat to actually hit the ball 30 times a year and then he'll be okay. (laughs) That's fair. No, I agree with that. You want to talk about Rotoware, the the big sponsor, opening day? Yeah. Rotoware? Why don't we talk about Rotoware? I'm already <laughs> I'm already drinking my I already finished my Chick Fil A uh, frosty lemonade, and that was a recommendation from the creator of Rotoware, the founder of Rotoware. That would be Kenneth Cashman at Kenneth underscore Cashman on Twitter, at Rotoware on Twitter, Rotoware.com. You can use our promo code Sagnoff to get twenty percent off all of your purchases there. He's got a ton of new designs. We've been talking about for weeks here. He's got the advanced stats. He's got the prospect stasher. Go back and listen to Lance's commercial next week. I don't need to go. I'm, I'm <laughs> I don't need to go through all the names of the different shirts. Um, I think far, far and away, my favorite design this year, though, is my personal Crab Army shirt. How could it not? Oh, be, it's the right? Crab Army. Yeah, that's a great one. It, it has to be the Crab Army shirt. But there's been so many other great shirts as well. Um, I like Exit Velo City. I've been rocking that one a lot recently. I've got like, I think I got nine Rotoware shirts. Even the ones that he didn't send me, I've actually gone on, used our promo code to get twenty percent off, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and bought a couple of shirts to support our sponsors. And you should do the same because if you buy nine Rotoware shirts and use our promo code and take a picture of it, 
Lance will like it on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I like it. It's become the running joke. I, I will like it. If you send me a, a card, a purchase card with nine road wear shirts, I will, I, will, I will hit the like button. Like it. I might even go into other accounts and hit the like button to get it up yeah. a little bit. But no, Kenny, Kenny Cashman's the man. He actually helped me rebrand. Shameless plug here, but I, I have my own site, big3sports.com. He helped me rebrand that. And he helped me rebrand a little podcast. I'm doing two-strike approach. Just my own personal stuff and... I couldn't have been happier with the work Kenny did. I want to extend a huge thank you to him. I picked up some Rotowear shirts as a big thank you for that too. I bought Exit Velo City. I bought Process Results and Fly the Quality Start. So those were the three I went for, and I'm amped to get those. And I'm, I'm unbelievable quality on these. They fit perfectly. It's a it's an athletic fit as opposed to a lot of the like crappy Gildan shirts you get at like five yeah. Ks and shit. You know, like this is legit. You know, you're 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 putting the money into a guy who works his ass off to give everyone an unbelievable quality shirt. And yeah, Kenny's a man. I, I become more associated with him on the business side of things here as he's helped me out. And he's just a pleasure to work with. And I will 100 percent support any of his ventures and Rotoware, et cetera. So um, sagging off again, the promo code rotoware.com at rotoware at Kenneth underscore Cashman. Um, check him out. Buy some shirts. Opening day is was two days ago because we are recording on opening day you, you got kirsch on the background there i'm gonna go watch some john gray patrick corbin in about 30 minutes so uh so let's get into some adonis medina who i who i really really like a lot honestly yeah. i have i'd probably have him four i'd probably actually this might go against what everyone in the world thinks but i'd probably put him above jalen ortiz which is just dumb because i know everyone obviously there's more risk in the prospect arms but um i believe right. I, I reflected this on my list too um Seeing as I think I had a Medina probably like 70-ish overall. Let me check quick. Got my list up here. I had Donis Medina 79, so I have him clearly above Jalen Ortiz. Um, I really like what he did with his slider. Um, this was the biggest change for him. This substantiated the uptick in his strikeout rate, which was, I think, around probably like below 8K per 9. And it jumped up to around above 9K per 9, I think. And I'm just a huge fan of it. I like what he did. Um, I actually think his, his delivery is a little bit more effort than six down, but I almost say it's honestly a little bit more dynamic. It's not as clean, but what he does with his body as a whole and how much he gets like strength and uh, oomph behind the ball is probably a really weird way to say just, he's a little bit more aggressive in throwing, but I still think overall it's pretty clean. It's not six of Sanchez clean. I think that he kind of stands on his own with that among almost everyone in the prospect tiers. I really like Hunter Green. I think his delivery is really, really clean, but Sixto is kind of on his own. But I like Anonymous Medina a lot. I think that he's one of these guys who has, like, legitimate – I don't think he has ace upside. I think he ends up as, like, a, a max two. But I think he's got, like, a nice three-ish floor. Like, I think you often put the floor on guys around four. Like, oh, he's a number four starter. He basically could go on and off waivers, et cetera. But I, I really like Adonis Medina. I like – you know, he's another guy here with a decent changeup. But that the biggest change for him is that slider, the adjustment he made to his slider. And the reasoning, I think, behind that from what I was reading is the fact that he, he was having troubles di- differentiating between his curve and slider. And this is a thing that I've actually wanted to do a little bit more research on, but just understanding how two breaking ball pitchers work. And I just mentioned John Gray. He's another two breaking ball pitcher. But, like, some of the better ones we have are elite, elite guys. Like, Kershaw's a two breaking ball guy. I think you Darvish is a two breaking ball guy. And they have very different planes to those pitches. And I think the problem with Medina was the plane on his slider's curve was relatively similar. So, you know, on a clock, 11 to 5, I think both pitches were like that. And I believe the tweak he made was to get a little more cut on his. So he got a little more horizontal movement on it, ended up making that curveball stand out a little bit more. And I think he's gone to that slider as his dominant off-speed offering. And the changeup, I think, it ended up being average. And I, I, that's, that's what I'm looking at, essentially. And, I mean... 
I talk about Mateo. I remember last week you talked about Mateo and I, I, the philosophy around like a double jump, like a double improvement on a prospect. Like Mateo gets into his leg, gets more power. Does he get even more power? Whereas with Medina, it's kind of the same question. It's like, all right, he's got this strikeout uptick. Do we look back in four months when we get to see him hopefully have some reps at double A? I'm hoping. I think he probably starting in high, but I'd like to see him at double A by the end of the year. You know, when we see him at double A, where's the strikeout rate? Like, does he make another jump? Does he sustain it around like nine, five K per nine? Because then you're looking at like legitimate two. If not, I still think he can end up like an eight, eight, five guy with decent control. I like the mechanics. I like everything with him big fan of this adjustment he made and i think that maybe i'm inflating him a little bit because i like that adjustment so much but um i'm a big medina fan i don't know if you have any more to say ralph yeah and i think the big thing you hit on is you know the two plane movement on that slider it went from sort of an average below average pitch to an above average breaking ball Absolutely. and i think you know mixed with the velocity ramp that he had um you know coming into pro ball you know, two last year and the, the K's jumped significantly because of it. He was a 4.7 K per nine guy in 2016 to a 10, a 10, he was a 10, teen, I thought he was a 10, a, <laughs> a 10 K per nine guy across 120 innings in the low a Sally league. So really interesting. Like I said, you know, he mixes that mid nineties fastball. It can ramp up to 97. I think the changeup is plus above average breaking ball. I actually had the GIF of the, of the, the slider, uh, in, in instructs, um, that I threw into my post. And uh, I think that's probably an interesting one to take a look at because you can sort of see the two plane movement. You can see it, it drops down and then cuts in on the left-handed batter. Uh, and that's going to be a really effective pitch for him. Um, you know, an opposite side matchups, I think as well. So Absolutely. really, really, really interested to see what this kid can do. Uh, the control's good as well. Like the mechanics are just really smooth, really fluid, gets really good extension. Uh, nothing, nothing too violent in the delivery at all. No head knock or anything like that. So, uh, I like Adonis and he's got a great name. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to take a look where he was assigned right now. I can, I can tell yeah, you, I was it look at Clearwater, Clearwater and see if that's the case. Yeah. I want to say he was in, I thought I saw somewhere he's high A, and that's why I was saying like, I hope he gets up to double A by the Sixto, end of the year. Sixto is high A. Arietta is actually breaking camp with high A because he needs some time. JoJo is high A. And Adonis, I'm going to take a look at Redding right now. Is he double A? Wow, that'd be crazy. And uh, Suarez is double A. We'll Sir get into Suarez. Anthony I like Suarez a lot. Sir Anthony Dominguez is double A. It looks like he might be back down in uh, – yeah. Sally, maybe, but you know, sometimes That's these right. assignments for pitchers early could just be like they can get him another start when, when yeah, Arietta's. I, I don't like, like the repeat level just because he threw like 120 there last year, but I hope it's quick. I hope it's like a little 20, yeah. 20 inning sample. He dominates it, might, it and they're like, all right, let's go. You know, it might be because Ari, it might be because Arietta's getting some extra work. And just oh, that's be, fair. Yeah, rotation. They start, yeah. They could start Adina, uh, Adina's off early and then just replace Arietta's spot in uh, Clearwater with with Adonis. I, that's a really good point. I think Adina's you're spot Adonis. On. I call Adina's Adonis. Adonis. It's Adonis. It's Adonis. Great name. <laughs> Jumping in. About Adam Hazley? Adam Hazley. Adam Hazley. Uh, I'm, I don't really know where I followed him. The one thing I'll say is that he's Pavin Smith's teammate from Virginia. And I like Pavin Smith a lot. So yeah. <laughs> there we go. He's not Pavin Smith for me, but, uh, he's kind of a weird, he, he reminds me, you know, I think we, we talked a little bit about Ralph, Kyle Tucker, how we kind of feel like he should have been playing 10 years ago where he's just kind of a little bit old school and how he swings and, you know, he's just like a grinder. And that's kind of what I feel about him. Hazley. He just reminds me of like a, an old school player. 
Like he's just funky. He's a really funky guy. And I, it's a unique that I, I'm not in love with. Like there's unique I fall in love with. Like we're all falling in love with Mackenzie Gore unique, which is just awesome. But there's other kinds of unique where we're just like tilting our heads a little bit in confusion. And he's got a funky swing. Like he is super crouched over. He's kind of like a, he reminds me a little bit of like a, an Evan Gaddis Hunter Pence blend in terms of aesthetics, purely aesthetics for me, where the profile is very different than either of those. But he's like wide stance. It's a really high leg kick, but because his lower body is so you know his center of gravity is so much lower in his swing the leg kick when it comes up it gets to like his armpit it's just funky it is so funky but he's a like it's one of those things where it works for him like he's not he doesn't walk a ton ton. of bat speed a lot of bat speed yeah yeah and you know he's king i think very reasonably he's an advanced college hitter I would I, for me, it's just a matter of like understanding with a lot of these college bats. Honestly, we could apply this to a ton of them. It, it's really just understanding where the upside is, and I think for me, I just come around and say it's probably not insanely high. Like I think he can end up being a decent, strong side platoon bat in the outfield. I think he could probably hit lefties pretty well with his approach um, and his swinging from what I see with him. And I think that he can end up being like a strong platoon. But I don't. I, I just don't know. Like I'm kind of torn on on understanding how much is here in terms of growth um whether it be on almost any aspect of his game you know it kind of feels like a a blend of like it was uh who's a guy on the a's list we were talking about that just had like all the tools but they were all just 50 where or even all just like 40 it was like the I don't remember. Uh, that name. was that was when you you messed up Kevin Merrill. Yeah, you, you, that's you what it was. <laughs> Kevin Merrill. Yeah, and then you, and then you, and then you compared him to. Uh, 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 Tampa Bay Rays uh, starting infielder Joey Wendell. <laughs> He's a starting infielder for the Rays. Oh, yeah, I the think Rays. Starting today at I like Joey. I've always liked Joey Wendell. He's a nice guy. I remember meeting him back in Double A. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, well, that's what it is for me on Hazley. It's just okay. a, a lot of things I'm neutral on. I would say. Um, but I think your rake's appropriate. What do you think of him? I like him, and he was uh, he was somebody that my my former uh, co-host uh, Help was very high on. Really, really? like coming yeah. to UVA. Yeah, he was one of his, his favorite players coming out of this last draft. And uh, I've kind of wavered, you know, back and forth on him. I like the skills a lot. I think I, I'm higher on him than you are. Okay. I think that he can hit. I think that he can run. I think there's some power there as well. Um, I just think he was really gassed. I th- I, you know, we can't mm-hmm. forget the fact that he had a great season. He played season. like 200 games, right? <laughs> yeah, he was, a, he was a two-way He was a two-way, two-way guy. Kid, we, yeah, yeah. We, we can't forget, you know, how much he did at the plate for UVA. But, um, you know, also went, you know, seven and one and 11 starts for the Cavaliers, um, you know, a slash line at the plate over that time and 223 at bats was 390, 491, 659 with 14 homers and 10 steals. So we're looking at, you know, an advanced, con- you know, contact college hitter, like you said, with some power, with some speed, the ability to, you know, either play right field um, or center field. And I think that ability to stick in the middle of, uh, of the field play a few different positions and potentially be, you know, a, a top of the order hitter is uh, sort of what the ceiling is there with, with Hazley. I think they tried to correct or at least hedge their bet a little bit with Moniac and maybe buy a couple of years. Cause I do think that Hazley, I think Hazley's a relatively quick to the majors guys. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I would, I'd have to check these rosters that I just looked at two seconds ago, but um, <laughs> it wouldn't shock me if Hazley was either in clear water um, or, or ended up in, in Reading. I wouldn't be stunned if he got, yeah, he's like Lehigh Valley by the end of the year. And the Phillies have a ton of outfield options, which makes it all a little bit murkier. I'm not sure on the contract situations with a lot of them. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it's going to be tough for him to carve out a full-time role given what the current team looks like. But 
I see him like, I mean, if you just want to bat, that could probably be average to maybe slightly above average in small samples. So now we're not saying like 140 games, but in that platoonish role on a fantasy team that you just want to bat for and you're, you're a contending team just needs depth, like go with it. I'm, I'm fine with that. You know, I, I'm cool with that. And I, I agree. I appreciate people who rate the floor out a little bit more because he's a polished college bat, but I'm probably just a little bit lower overall and seeing the upside with him. Um, Roman Quinn, Ralph speedster here. He was optioned to triple a, um, probably because of how much depth the major league sure. team has, especially with trying to get Kingery in there and the rumors he might play some center. Um, and ha- and Hazley's on Lakewood. I just looked. So apparently okay. everyone good is on Lakewood. Everyone's on Lakewood. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but with Roman Quinn, uh, I actually was a little bit tempted here, Ralph. Do you think there's a little bit of a hidden power with him? Like just a little bit of hidden yeah. power. I no, noticed there is, this. There is, man. I always there just had the, is. I always had the perception because I think he's the guy who blew out his Achilles, right? I remember, I, I remember one year I was going to see Reading because I always try to get to them every year. My dad's a Philly fan. And Roman Quinn's on the roster, and we wanted to see him because we knew he was the speedster, just slap hitter, et cetera. And he blew out his Achilles, and then, oh, damn, we didn't see him, but whatever. But I went into some tape him the other night, and I, I kind of like the swing a little bit more than I've liked the swing of any other of these kind of 80-grade speedster guys. And, again, it's because it kind of goes back to what we're saying with Hazley, where it's going to be really tough for him to carve out a full-time role. But... I, I kind of, I mean, I'm just repeating this again, but I like the swing. Do you agree with this? Like, do you think that there's quietly room for like 12 ish, yeah. 15 home runs with his kind of speed? Yeah. The, 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 the swing is, is, isn't bad. You it's know, not, the, yeah. hand, the hands are strong. They're pretty quiet. They're, they're pretty low. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at him right now and he, you know, he turns on an inside pitch pretty quickly. Um, I wouldn't say the swing is compact, but no, it's also no, no, no. not long either. It's sort of a nice middle ground. Bat path is pretty good. There's definitely some pop there. I think it's just a matter Sneaky. of him exceeding 100 games for the first time uh, it's true. in his That's career. True. I mean, yeah. you know, he's been in the minor league since, what, 2011, right? He was drafted in 2011. He's a young draftee, so, I think, yeah. You know, that's seven, that's seven seasons, and he's never exceeded, or six and a half seasons, and he's never exceeded 100 games. Yeah, it's a little that's Yeah. Yeah. But on the same, t- I heard that they were actually trying him back out at shortstop. I don't know if you realize he was oh. drafted as an outfielder. They moved him to shortstop in the organization, so that was part of his struggle, I think, too. I didn't know this. Well, he went from outfield to shortstop exactly because he was very raw. Uh, but they thought he had the skills. He tried that out for a while. They moved him back to outfield. This spring training, they decided to resurrect the uh, the the shortstop uh, uh, avenue. So, kind of an interesting wrinkle with with Quinn, and I wonder if. Uh, Maybe they should just stop screwing with it altogether. But I guess, you know, they're trying to get him versatility. And as we've seen now with the over-tinkering and over-managing of Mr. Gabe Kapler, uh, <laughs> potentially that might have been marching orders from him. And uh, they wanted to get more of these guys' versatility. But I, I think we're, we're still hoping that Quinn can be a decent outfielder. Uh, even if he's a left-field guy like a Call Crawford that's, you know, a little bit of power, decent hit tool, and a ton of speed – He'd be really exciting for fantasy. It's just a matter of him getting the opportunity. But the wheel there, and uh, he's he's a decent hitter. You know, yeah. It wouldn't shock me if I mean I always look at a guy like Billy Hamilton and say like Hamilton's an awful hitter, and this guy's <laughs> yeah, probably a better hitter than Hamilton. It's is. like it's like how much speed can you sacrifice and then end up with a better bat than Hamilton? You know, like sacrifice thirty of Billy's steals, but give me a two eighty hitter. I get really intrigued, you know, <laughs> and maybe yeah. that's a peak for Roman Quinn, but he's interesting. But again, huge health concerns here. I agree. Um, yeah, I was going to bring up that too. He hasn't played a hundred games. That's insane to me. Um, 
Yeah, this is a bummer. I mean, honestly, because the skills are there, obviously. I did not know about him going back to short, though. That probably raises yeah. value a little bit for me, even though if it's still relatively suppressed just because of the roadblock and the depth the Phillies have. But um, in terms of longer-term investments on this list, I'd say Jalen Ortiz is right there with Mickey Moniak in terms of – honestly, Jalen Ortiz is probably going to move quicker, but Moniak is a guy who is is pretty far off in terms of what I think the Phillies want out of him and what we've seen from him. Um, this was the number one overall pick, I believe, a few years back. He got a hefty signing bonus. The results weren't great off the bat. And all I've really heard over the last two years is essentially that he's made he's some progress. You know, they like what he's doing, etc. But when I split up on the statistical side, split up the game logs and see what I've seen, it's not really too encouraging. You know, it, for me, it's like if you're saying a guy's making improvements and then I split up his last... 60 to 70 to 80 games of the minor league season and i don't see an average above like 220 and i know averages of crude stat to pick out but man you gotta give me something more than that you know (laughs) like he's not slugging a lot i really like the swing which is the funny part um i i think it's really compact it reminds me a little bit of like a less powerful christian yelich not the same kind of hands not the same kind of quick twitch muscles i think yelich has but it's really interesting overall on just what he does and his approach to the ball. I think it's a very quick trigger in terms of what you know, I was talking about that with Scott Kingray. I think it's a similar philosophical standpoint that Mickey Moniak goes through to get to the ball, which I like. I think that there's some projection there in terms of what you can do with him overall. But at some point, we got to look and, and, and see results. And we haven't seen results, Ralph. And that's the biggest thing for me. I am sure it's the biggest thing for you. I don't know how high you are on him overall, but I'm, I'm probably neutral i wouldn't say i'm low i know there's a lot of people were just like i'm done with him but this goes back to what we were talking about with jp give, give him some time give him another year yeah. or two i my bar is a little bit higher just in terms of like i'm desensitized to any small stretch he has that is good which you know i'm, I'm not going to overreact anymore with him which i think can happen with some of the guys who are a little younger if we see a yeah. good stretch we're like oh my god but that's not gonna happen money back i think everyone is like a freaking stone now when they look at him it's like i need like a year of 300 you know before i, I before i budge my needle and i'd probably agree with that but i wouldn't say i'm below the echelon of everyone who just kind of given up so where are you on the spectrum and, and I- and I kind of dug in on him a little bit longer than other people. I think I still had him uh, around 50 in the mid season last year mm-hmm. before his season completely tanked out. Yeah. He was showing some flashes. He in the was. First yeah. Half. And then it just went. He's downhill. Got, yeah. He's got the compact swing. Um, I think a lot of it for him is just adding strength onto that body. I, I think he's still Good point. a young 19, 20 year old, you know, like not everybody's body necessarily takes that step at 20. Not everybody is Vlad Guerrero Jr. <laughs> and is like 203. Vlad Guerrero Jr. is like a fat guy that's in like his late 30s and he's 19. <laughs> you yeah, know? I know, yeah. Um, and he's got, but he's got like that man strength. Like you saw the homer uh, the other night off of Oh, Flaherty. I did. Yes, I was watching that. Uh, you know, in Montreal. And you just very you flat. The, the bat speed on that. Oh. It's nuts. I mean, oh. but. But you see all the polish he has, but you see the strength. And I think that the big part of it with Moniac is the strength is he just can't muscle a lot of these balls. And if he makes bad contact, you know, it sort of dribbles out there and manifests itself in like weakly hit ground balls. And uh, he had a problem with a lot of that, especially as the year wore on. I think his body wore down. And, you know, we can't forget this kid was, you know, 19 years old, 18, 19 years old. And... Less than a year removed from being in high school, 
you know? That's a very good uh, point. And all the things that come with it. And he was young. And, and like I said, his body for a, a number one overall pick was relatively immature. It wasn't like this guy was, you know, built like an Adonis. Oh, oh, a good one. Good one. <laughs> Pun point on that one. Uh, it, it was, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like this guy was, you know, like a house. He wasn't like a Cuban prospect. You're no, like, no, what no. the heck is this? What the heck has this guy been drinking? Are you sure this guy is 19 <laughs> years old? Because like yeah. Lazarito, right? We looked at Lazarito last week. You look at his body. I mean, he's a man. Yep. So when he makes bad contact from time to time, if he gets a hold of it enough, he can get something out of it where like Moniac can't, where there are times, but the bat path, the swing mechanics, I still think that stuff with Moniac is good. I still think there's a ball player in there. I'm not writing him off as a professional, and I'm not writing him off as a decent pro. Um, and I still think the ceiling is he could be a Christian Yellick type. And, and I don't see any reason to, to not think that that can manifest itself as he matures. Oh, I agree 100%. I, yeah, that's the big thing. It's just it stand, that stands out when you watch tape. It's not it's not Lazarino. You know, it's, it's a yeah. different build. And I think people can be like, you can project that out. If you project out a little more poundage on him and you, him getting into his power a little bit more, go for it. You know, I'm fine with that. Um, let's speed up a little bit here because I want to watch Patrick Corbin, John Gray. Uh, Same. Uh. <laughs> um, we could combo up. I want to combo actually Jojo Ramiro and Ranger Suarez. So I think Suarez just missed your list, Ralph. I like Ranger Suarez a lot. I think that change up from the left side for him is devastating in some of the tape I've seen of him. It's it just, just most through. I actually saw some tape of him against the Four Myers Miracle where he just carved through like Brent Rooker with it. And it was super impressive to me and it stood out. So I, I mean, obviously once we get past 10 on any list, take your pick on who you want to put where, but I think I'd put Rangers Wars and Jojo Ramiro pretty close to each other. Jojo's obviously a little bit more advanced, has a little bit more pedigree around him, but Suarez is super interesting to me. I, I like, you mentioned he's in double A. That's that's an, I think that's kind of an aggressive assignment, right? Would you say? Uh, for Ramiro? Uh, for Ranger, is he in Double A? Yeah, he is, but he's a little bit older, isn't he? I, I thought he was um, like twenty three. Oh, he might be actually. But yeah, I, I, I didn't think, think he got up. Did he Suarez get up to a little uh, bit older? He's ninety five, so he's probably twenty four. Or no, he's twenty two. Twenty two. Twenty two. Okay. Twenty two year old lefty. So he did. Oh, he got some innings in high. I, for some reason, I thought he only got to A ball last year. So that's cool. I like that assignment. That I like that summon a lot for him. Um, I think that shows a little bit of confidence um, in his profile overall because he's had really good control through the minors. He's had a solid, solid caper nine, and that jumped up a lot last year. I think that was just a matter of polishing out his secondaries and stuff. This is Ranger Suarez because. Um, when I comp it back to Jojo Romero, I honestly get them a little bit confused. I think they're very similar slots from the left side. I don't know if you have a differentiating factor for them, Ralph, but uh, maybe it's just a matter of Jojo doing it longer, but Suarez is right there for me. No, I, I, I actually don't. I, I, to be honest with you, I think it's just probably maybe the lower body. They're so similar. Like they are, size-wise, yeah. they're very similar. Um, Change-up plus arsenal, pitch, yep. The arsenal is very similar. Yeah, you know, 94, 95 is, is sort of where, uh, uh, you know, Ramiro and Suarez both sit with a fastball. Um, the difference is Ramiro is a, is a, a Juco kid and Suarez was a J2 kid. And he's been in the organization for a little bit. Um, so I guess that's probably the biggest di- differentiating factor is one's American. But uh, I like I like Jojo a lot. Um, I love the changeup. He added a ton of velocity once he jumped in into pro ball. He's got a nice curveball as well. 
but I just really like the, the, um, the arm angle and sort of just the, the, the way, especially like his breaking ball comes in on, on right-handed batters. Like, uh, and he's not scared to attack guys, uh, high with the fastball. He's got a rising fastball. So, um, I, I think that, uh, I think that Ramiro is incredibly interesting and, I just I, when it comes down to why I chose him over Suarez, I, I just think that uh, he'll be a little bit less whippy. I think he's more control command than Suarez is when I, I when I've seen the two of them pitch. Um, and I just don't think the command is as cl- is is as clean uh, as it is with uh, with fair. Suarez as it is with Ramiro. So yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, once again, I feel like. I'm really trying to dig in here and try to the recesses of my brain and trying to understand why I went with one over the other. (laughs) They were pretty close. And if, you know, I think that, uh, he was Suarez was, you know, effectively 14 or 15 on my list. Cause I really like, uh, Eniel de Los Santos, who was who they got back for, uh, Freddie Galvis, who was, uh, an arm that, uh, from the Padres. It's a really, really nice, uh, underrated arm. Um, and then there's a, a young, uh, uh, J two, uh, shortstop Louis Garcia, not to be confused with the Louis Garcia of the Washington nationals who's a little bit better, but another really exciting one that's there. Um, there's a lot of guys I wanted to write up. I wanted to write up Gamboa and Brito and even Sir Anthony Domingos, who I got, I got to see firsthand last year when I was, uh, down, uh, in Florida for my annual Tampa trip, watching Bradenton versus Clearwater. Nice. Um, Unfortunately, I didn't get to see Jojo Romero that day, though he wasn't that team. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of tough because sometimes I need to go to bed and uh, I, <laughs> I I'm continually writing and editing these posts. And it's like two o'clock in the morning and I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm done. So that's why Ranger Suarez didn't get a write up. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, no, I, I think that especially I think you become a little more differentiated when you comp them to Franklin Kilome here, who's a righty as opposed to Suarez and Ramiro, both lefties. So, uh, mm-hmm. Kilome, I don't know, Ralph, we're talking about change so much on this list that we get to a guy without a change-up, and it seems like it's more of a knock than it should be to me, just because, I, I guess you could kind of project that out. I don't, know if I, I don't know if I love his arm action and see the change-up a little bit better than some people do, but he's got a really hard curve, which I like a lot, actually, and I think his fastball is pretty solid. He's probably one of the guys on this list who's a little bit more too pitch-heavy, but both of those two pitches, you could argue, are probably a little more advanced than anyone else on this list. So, does that scream reliever to you? Because it kind of does for me. I don't know. Yeah. He's a two pitch guy. Yeah, he's a two pitch guy. He's too. I think big, he could be nasty. A, I think he's a reliever. High leverage arm. Honestly, think he could end up back end. And I just remember what the di- real big differentiator is be- for me with uh, Ramiro and Suarez now because it's late and I'm tired. <laughs> what is it? What is it? It's breaking ball command. Breaking oh, ball okay. command. Okay. The, the curveball in Ramiro is better. And uh, uh, the curve, curveball and slider is kind of inconsistent with Suarez at times. Yeah, I'm not shocked because, I mean, I, I watch a lot of Suarez tape, actually. And it was all, all change-up. I know it's, you yeah. know, because I gotcha. can't remember everything about all these fair, prospects, fair. right? Exactly. <laughs> I don't expect you. Don't worry. But, yeah, Colome, hard to curveball, really good fastball. I think he ends up a reliever, too. But I think he's got the stuff to be a back-end reliever. So it's not it's not a completely yeah. useless profile overall. Oh, no. And uh, I think he got a spring invite, too. He had some innings there. And I remember Carlos Santana tweeting out a picture of him and saying he was the next big deal. So if you want to abide by what Carlos Santana says, then Columbia's oh. pretty good. So <laughs> The guitarist or the first baseman? <laughs> the first baseman. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 I don't know. 
if it if it was if, you got if me it there. was uh yeah if it was Carlos Santana the guitar player yeah right maybe a different story <laughs> oh, that's great that's great um I'm gonna do a little take on Simon Mizuati I want to say it sounds Italian I I don't know how to say Italian things but uh I'll give you Frank M- Muziati 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 I like it okay Simon Muziati uh. He seems like a guy from what I've heard who who could kind of jump up on this list a bit if he if he yeah. changes some things and gets into his swing a little bit more etc. He's a younger guy. This always happens with those guys, but um, he's got a, a from what I'm seeing pretty active hands, whippy bat. I yeah. liked his swing, but I did notice it's not long, but the trigger into his swing is really broken up it's it's really structured in how he swings and it's not like a heavy heavy bat rap so i'm not too concerned with that but it's it's a it's a rhythmic i think rhythmic's a good word and how you look at mm. it but it's it's a longer kind of rhythm where he he almost like kind of goes back and up and then he brings his arms back and then he flies through and his bat speed's pretty good but i i'm i don't know if it's a knock for me it's just something i noticed and i kind of just put like a note on for my own being when i was just like that's interesting i don't really know what i can make of it right now um i don't have obviously the most advanced hitting analysis out there so i'm sure someone else would have a much better perspective of like if whether they like it or not but i noticed it i guess that's the first step i noticed that i thought it was interesting i don't know if i'd knock it or love it but i i kind of agree in saying that there might be some upside here he's only 19 years old i mean Again, we're looking at a lot of young guys on this list. I think there's a really nice blend here the Phillies have of you're looking at top tier talent and Scott. Um, I don't know why I'm calling him Scott and, and Kingery, Sanchez, and Crawford. That's the elite tier here. That's very close, I think, to MLB ready. <laughs> and then you have some of the, the bigger investments like Jalen Ortiz and Maniac. Then you have some arms who I think, you know, September Cops in 2019, even later this year, if they have, are decimated by injuries, I know they have a lot of guys in high in AAA and Lehigh Valley who. I saw way back in Double A, Zach Eflin, Ben Lively, a lot of guys like that. Um, I think Lively might even be with the major league club now because Eikhoff out. But there's a Hobie Bill Milner pitch day, give up a home run to Freddie Freeman. But they get a lot of guys like that who are like these decent, you know, decent fastball command. The striking upside was never that big. Then end up turning into Michael Mark Leiter Jr. is another one. Turn into these kind of interesting options where they have a little bit to them, but there's never huge upside. But I think you got to get guys like Adonis Medina here. You know, we're talking. Uh, I think we both kind of like JoJo a bit, and I like Ranger Suarez a lot. So there's a nice blend. I think the Philly system, man, I think it's kind of underrated. I think that they're unique in, in the type of guys they have, but I think as a whole, it blends together really mm. well. I think they have a very nice balance here. Yeah, you know, we, and we look at other systems like the Twins, which are just all over the place. The Yankees yeah. are stacked, but yeah. the Phillies here are sneaky, you know? Yeah, and one guy we, we have to get into, we just have to mention quickly. I don't know if you get to watch him. He's a switch hitter. Middle infielder, that's Archimedes Gamboa. People were really high on him. Uh, had a bit of a breakout in the second half last year where um, uh, he's really tapped into the power. I think he slashed 327, 364, 531. Uh, that was in Class A Lakewood. So he's kind of an interesting one. A lot of people have him pegged as a breakout. I know that uh, Winkleman likes him a lot and a lot of other Phillies fans that I associate with on a daily basis. So wanted to bring up him as well. And uh, he's definitely a name to check out in your dynasty leagues and see if he's owned because he could be another guy in this list that makes a huge jump. Phillies do a great job of uh, sort of uh, combing and scouting the international market. They're one of those teams that always seems to clean up and have a nice class, even when you don't realize it. And one thing I'll say on Simon Muziotti is uh, Mm -hmm. you may not realize this. He was part of another signing scandal that involved the Red Sox a few years ago. I didn't know uh, they had. Yeah, they had done something similar to what the Braves did, and they they were 
uh, promising money yeah, from gotcha. pre- previous uh, or future um, classes to go back to trainers to cover guys taking lower bonuses because they had a bunch of players that signed for 300000 when they were capped at 300000 per bonus, and Muziati was one of them. And I think mm. there were 11, 11 guys that might have been released, and uh, Muziati happened to be one of them, and uh, he signed with the Phillies and uh, was able to keep his Red Sox bonus, and I think he signed for like 800000 with the Phillies. So he made some more money on top of that. Good for him. Did pretty well, and uh, I think in my article I had comped him to like an Ender NCR day. Oh, okay. I, I like I think, that, yeah. Yeah, you know, contact, a little bit of power, but not a ton. Mm-hmm. Um and a lot of speed, but he's a good hitter. And the thing that I notice in his swing is, 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 um, and I, I, I think it's different things that, that people focus on. I always seem to like, my focal point seems to be hips. Okay. Okay. Is how, how fluid a guy's transition is and his weight and his hips. Yeah. He's got a really fluid transition and, you know, he just transitions his weight really easily gets through his swing. And I, I just always feel like, you know, if you have that going for you, you can sort of change your hands. Your, yeah. Your, extremities your yep. mechanics in, in, in the hands. If you have that lower half and you're able to turn, you know, really easily and just, just sort of open up your gate as yeah. you, as you way contact, the ball. Yeah. And, you know, it makes a big deal. It's yeah. You saw. Yeah. So I don't know. Is that it? I think that's it. The Phillies? We're through the Phillies. I better write the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, preview this week. So we can do the Pirates next week, or we can do the top 100. It's it's totally up to you. We I don't know. We gotta, yeah, this is, I feel like our team ranks I are going to stretch into uh They will. I'm yeah. some of mine yeah, are going to in April, too. And I feel like we'll probably get a couple of looks on these guys early that yeah, it'll be it won't nice. be so bad. Yeah, it might make it a little bit more evergreen. And that's really what I was trying to do this year is have stuff that you can listen to like two months later and be like, all right, yeah, you're still giving me some decent tips here. Um, or maybe these things came to fruition where the stuff that we say sometimes in like December about a prospect, it's just wild, oh, wildly yeah. inaccurate by March, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Name yeah, of the I game. Was talking, I was talking to the Welsh. I was on his show, um, earlier today. They were doing some bold predi- predictions oh, nice. and I'll tell you what my two bold predictions oh, let's were. Hear it. But, uh, I was saying to him that, um, you know, that's, that's, you know, sort of one of the funny things about doing these preview write-ups is like, I used to start in October, like baseball wasn't even done yet. And I'm writing up my only previews and it, it, and it seems silly because I look back at January 1st and be like, I wrote nine previews already. And I feel like eight of them yeah. have to be rewritten. You know, I mean, I wrote the Red Sox one last year and then the Red Sox traded their entire farm system over the next like <laughs> month and a half. Yeah, you know, complete I, mean, scrap, yeah. I wrote the White Sox and they were an awful farm system. And then they went to a top five farm system. Yep. You know, um, so it's one of those funny things. So I'll tell you my, my two bold predictions because they had to be minor league bold predictions. Okay. So okay. I said that uh, Leone Tavares would have his breakout year and go 2020 this year. Okay. I like he it. Went, he Aggressive went, assignment, he went, high A, right? He went 820 last year. Yeah, you just see the power jump. 12, yeah. 12 homers. The body was up a little bit this year. So, you know, the reports I'd heard from some folks that were scouting the backfields for the Rangers. This that's pretty good. good. So, yeah, I like a little it. shot there. And the other one is uh, Logan Allen, um, who I like a lot. You know, another pitcher in the the uh, yeah, the Phillies, uh, Phillies in the brain, the Padres organization, um, guy that came over from the Red Sox. Still pretty young. He just uh, he's just turned twenty last year. He's going to be twenty one, but it's going to be his uh, his fourth season now of professional baseball. And uh, you know, he made twenty three starts last year. Was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Had. Decent time at Lake Eleanor, um, you know, 9K per nine guy. Was a little bit whippy, 
but I think that he takes a big step forward this year. And uh, I said that I think he's going to have the best statistical season of any pitcher that throws in the Lake Elsinore rotation this year, which might include my Michel Baez and some ah. other guys. But I'm, figure, but I'm figuring he has the best statistical season there you because go. he doesn't because he probably doesn't see double A. Gotcha. That's a good point. I, That's you know, he repeats. He, repeat, he had nine starts there last year. He's going to probably have a full year at the level because he's just still you know, entering the season as a 20 year old. And that's pretty advanced. You know, a full season at high A for a 20 year old pitcher is oh, it's huge. Yeah. pretty, pretty advanced. But uh, he's got velocity. He's got bat miss and stuff. Um, I like Allen a lot. And, you know, I said that that might propel him for maybe outside of a lot of people's top 200s uh, into the top 100 conversation. Maybe, the, you know, this time or a little bit earlier next year. Love it. I like it. Ralph. Yeah. I don't know if I have any bolts. I got to think. Um, I think I was Minor thinking League too ones much are tough. Yeah, interesting, interesting tough, right? You know? Those are funky. Yeah. I was <laughs> going to say, like, Keston Huria, like, touches the majors this year. But oh, I don't know okay. That is. I was going to say, like, you know, Vlad Guerrero Jr., but I think Vlad Guerrero Jr. is going to make the majors. As I watched <laughs> that the other night, I'm like, yeah, they're not going to be able to keep him down in September. This guy's definitely going to be up. He's going to be up. He's going to be a service time guy next spring. He might be up in June. Dawson gets hurt. Oh man, Stranger that'd be nuts! Things, hey, man. we're seeing them next next weekend, so I'm amped. Just don't get called up before then, all right? Yeah, we did. We don't. had that happen. Glaber, Glaber Torres. We did. Yep, us. we did. We did. I think we're safe here. I'm hoping we're safe, Ralph. Exactly. All right. All let's right. end the show. Let's People, do it. People, you know where to find yep. me. Prospect Jesus on Twitter. I'm on Razball. I'm on Razball on Saturdays. I'm on Razball on Sundays. I'm around Razball on Mondays. I'm on Razball on Tuesdays. <laughs> I'm always on Razzball. I'm lot, always on Twitter. Ralph on Razz. You know where to find me. Fan tracks on Wednesdays and Fridays. I'm always putting out material. Love it. Lance, where can the people find you? At Lance Brother on Twitter. That's where I aggregate everything. Got my podcast started back up, Two Strike Approach. That's on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. Big3sports.com is going to rebranded by the Kenneth Cashman. Check it out. Got a lot of stuff. Got a lot of writing coming out. And I'm, I'm amped. It's going to be a great season. Uh, side note, as we close out here, John Gray looks like a lion. And I love it. So, uh. You have a nice night, right, Ralph? <laughs> that's you what, too. That's what we're going to end on. <laughs> Peace. There's something scary hiding in the back of your closet. Your bathing suits and summer clothes that you're pretty sure don't fit anymore. What if there was a way to get into summer shape in one visit? Here's Dr. Brian Strand for Sonobello to explain. It really is quite remarkable. Sonobello doctors use a technology called microlaser fat removal, and the results are amazing. We customize your procedure to accomplish your goals. Just share with us the problem areas where you'd like the fat in inches removed. And in one visit, they're gone, permanently. I can't tell you how often I hear clients say how many years they've been trying to diet and exercise those inches away. And we did it in one comfortable visit. It's time to get your summer on. Visit any of our Sonobella locations across the U.S. And right now you can save $250. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. That's sonobello.com slash save. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out.
The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232.